Holy Spirit, come by means of the powerful intercession of the Immaculate Mary, our beloved spouse, in the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. On this night, when we commemorate the glorious birth of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, it is good to consider why we celebrate this feast. And this leads us to an even more fundamental question. Why did God become man in order to be born into our world on this Christmas day? Well, to answer these questions, we must trace the troubled history of the human race. Scripture tells us that in the beginning, God created man in his own image. He endowed him with an intellect to know him and a free will to love him. God loved Adam and Eve so much that he filled their souls with a share of his own divine life, which we call sanctifying grace. And this grace put them in friendship with God and gave them the right to heaven. After creating them, God invited our first parents to trust him and obey his word. And he assured their happiness if they did so. But instead, they chose to disobey God. The devil convinced Eve to doubt the goodness and love of God, which led her and Adam to eat the forbidden fruit. The result was that Adam and Eve lost sanctifying grace for themselves and for all their descendants. We call this the fall of man from God's grace. They were no longer in friendship with God, and the gates of heaven were closed. As a result of the fall, Adam and Eve experienced a darkening of their intellect and a weakening of their will, something that has been passed down to all of us. As a result of our fallen human nature, we can all say with St. Paul, I do the evil which I do not intend, and I fail to do the good which I know I should do. But God, who is rich in mercy, did not abandon the human race. In fact, immediately after that original sin, he promised that one of Eve's descendants would crush the head of the serpent, Satan. Beginning with Adam, God formed a people and established a covenant with them, renewing his promise of redemption. He promised that from the tribe of Judah, one of Jacob's sons, would come a line of kings from which would come the Messiah. One thousand years before the birth of Christ, that line of kings began with David, the humble shepherd boy whom God chose to reign over his people, Israel. Many of King David's descendants were unfaithful to the and led the chosen people into the worship of false gods. And in punishment, God allowed foreign nations to conquer his people and lead them into exile. But God always remained faithful to his covenant. Through his prophets, he renewed his promise of salvation. Through the greatest of the Old Testament prophets, Isaiah, he made this great prophecy. The virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and his name shall be Emmanuel, which means God is with us. In the fullness of time, God sent the archangel Gabriel to a virgin who was betrothed to a man named Joseph of the house of David, and that virgin's name we know 
was Mary. He greeted her by calling her full of grace and told her, you shall conceive and bear a son and you shall call his name Jesus. He shall be great and shall be called the Son of the Most High. And the Lord God shall give him the throne of David, his father, and he shall reign over the house of Jacob forever, and of his kingdom there shall be no end. When Mary, who had taken a vow of virginity, asked Gabriel how this would be done, he assured her that the Holy Spirit would overshadow her. God allowed Mary the freedom to either accept or reject his plan. We know that the Virgin Mary gave her consent, saying, let it be done to me as you say. With these words, Mary's obedience loosed the knot of Eve's disobedience, and the greatest event in the history of the world then took place. The eternal Son of God became man while remaining God. And we call this event the Incarnation. Nine months later, Mary and Joseph traveled to Bethlehem, as we hear in our Gospel this evening, the city of David, to be enrolled in Joseph's ancestral town, according to the decree of Caesar Augustus. And it was here that the Savior of the world was born, Jesus Christ, the Lion of the tribe of Judah, the root of David, born not in pomp and circumstance, not in a magnificent palace with royal robes being clothed with as he deserved as the King of Kings and Lord of Lords, but instead in poverty and loneliness, in a stable, wrapped in swaddling clothes and placed in a manger, a feeding trough for animals. God became man order to draw near to us. After the Word became flesh, God now had a human face. What a paradox. As God, co-equal with the Father and the Holy Spirit, Jesus retained all his infinite power and glory. But as man, he lived and worked among men. He experienced the cold of that first Christmas night, Bethlehem and the warmth of his mother's arms, and ultimately he experienced suffering and death on the cross, paying the price for our salvation, that want to share that divine life that our first parents lost through their sin made available to us. Jesus still draws near to us in the Holy Eucharist, the great sacrament of his body and blood. Jesus in the flesh, in Bethlehem, is the very same Jesus who will be made present in the flesh on our altar at this holy sacrifice of the Mass. It was no mere coincidence that Jesus was born in a town named Bethlehem, which literally means house of bread, and that he was laid in a manger which contained hay to feed the animals. Jesus himself tells us that he is the living bread that has come down from heaven to feed us with his own flesh and blood in order to refashion our sin-hardened hearts to be like his. The great English poet and martyr, St. Robert Southwell, 
expresses all these truths beautifully in his Christmas poem, The Nativity of Christ, which is printed in our bulletin this week. I'll quote here the last verse of that poem. Man altered was by sin from man to beast. Beast's food is hay. Hay is all mortal flesh. Now God is flesh and lies in manger pressed as hay the brutest sinner to refresh. O happy field wherein this fodder grew, whose taste doth us from beasts to men renew. The Savior's birth brings hope and joy to the world. Hope because we know if we are faithful to Christ, our life will not end in emptiness, but rather in the supreme happiness of heaven. And joy because if we truly have Christ in our lives, in our hearts, there is no room for gloom or sadness. I'll end with this reflection by Pope Francis on this great feast. Today let us rejoice in the day of our salvation. As we contemplate the crib, let us gaze on the open arms of Jesus, which show us the merciful embrace of God. Let us be silent and let the child speak. Let us take his words to heart in rapt contemplation of his face. If we take him in our arms and let ourselves be embraced by him, he will bring unending peace of heart. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen.